Well, that worked out exactly how I planned, said no one ever. I Feel Awful, Chronicles of Leadership, a micro-podcast featuring Christine Sachs, Juanita Molano-Para, Katharina Schneegas, and Robert Kwong. Chronicle 63, Resist or Live, Live. So for the podcast today, for the discussion today, we decided to pick the most listened podcast over the last month and just expand on it. Um, the one most listened to is the German version of Resist or Live. Um, the premise, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can go. It's short, like all of our podcasts. But um, the premise is just this idea of resisting and how we resist things, situations, and really the cost of that, the cost of enjoyment, the cost of actually leaving that we give up by resisting. Um, and so I, I share some of my pieces on the podcast itself, but would love to just start the conversation there. Like how, how do you all, what did, what came up for each of you and when you translated did the podcast? For me, I think that when I was, you know, working on translating, um, it's very interesting for most people to think about resistance as resisting something outwardly, like uh, something resisting that's out there or as a form of like action. And in this particular one, you know, I really felt there was a calling to examine our inner resistance or the parts where we kind of have conflict with each other about where to go and things like that. So I always think talking about our inner resistance can be a little bit tricky and nuanced for that reason, because we think so outwardly, especially in some of the ways we use that word. So I actually did find that part to be the most tricky as far as translating. How do you describe something that's internal, but that still has something that we apply outwardly, like in the news and things like that? That was the first thing that I found to be kind of difficult. And of course, I related to inner resistance for the line of work we do. <laughs> yeah, similar to what Robert said, um, I was, I was, it was resonating with me personally because resisting is some of my of the things where I spend a lot of time. <laughs> I'm really good with coming up with new ideas or concepts, and then I usually spend a lot of time resisting it and like actually moving forward or waiting to jump and actually do it and build a lot, a lot of stories around it. And I think it's uh, it's funny that the German version is the one that is listened most to, but I think because and I think because it's a concept that a lot of Germans resonate with too. Um, we spend a lot of time in our heads thinking, considering risks and things that potentially could go wrong. And we're really good in like, playing safe with what we have and not take huge risks to create something new. So resisting change um, in organizations, for example, I think is a very big topic, especially in Germany and um, also a big challenge for a lot of leaders to support the team members around like how to move forward when you resist. So uh, I, I kind of see why it was listened to a lot from, from, from our German audience. <laughs> So interesting, one of the things that you said, Katarina, made me think because the playing it safe, like quote unquote, playing it safe. So resist change and you're playing it safe by doing that. And that's what I think is so interesting of the a contrast or I don't know if dichotomy would apply there, but just 
you think, or I think I'm playing it safe by resisting change because I stay with what is the status quo or how things have been doing. But the reality is that by resisting change, it almost feels like in the long term is the opposite of safe. And so I think I'm playing it safe, but in the long term is actually the riskiest thing is to resist that change. Um, but so, yeah, you, you just you made me think of that. Well, it's funny. I think the the question is like, we're all a bunch of coaches, right? So we're pretty distinguished about these concepts and how they apply and what they look like. I don't know that folks like either, you know, civilians, as I like to say, or organizations would call it resistance. What do you think? What do you think people not who are not coaches would actually relate what we're identifying and describing as resistance? What would they identify it as? So, so that people can locate themselves in this conversation if they're not coaches. Um, for me, recently, I did an event around how to find clarity. And so the two words that came up first was when I hear folks say a lack, I'm having difficulty, I need to find clarity. That is my biggest issue. Or I have self-doubt or something like that. Oftentimes it can lead to a conversation that to me re re reminds us of doing the inner work of figuring out why we have this part of us that's resisting despite this other part of us that wants it or whatever, right? We know what we should do, but then something happens internally. And um, I would say from my personal experience so far, like words like self-doubt, uh, lacking, uh, trusting oneself, um, and a lack of clarity, often it's about figuring out what this resistance is about or where it's coming from, why can't I get rid of it, something to that effect. And uh, I, I find that it's a lot of working with this thing that's kind of hard to name because it can kind of almost... I almost feel like people describe it as so many different things. It's almost everyone has a different flavor or interpretation of this thing they perceive to be a problem that is internal. Would, um, uh, God, how do you say it again? Uh, eating bitter, would that be a way to mm. identify it for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a Chinese phrase uh, called eating bitter, cool. And uh, it came up during a workshop event around imposter syndrome that I was a part of. And um, I remember making the comment of like, it's synonymous in Chinese culture as working hard, but eating bitter, it's kind of, it's it's like, it's a, it's a form of suffering. And it be, it's actually the same as being successful and achievement and working hard, that it goes along <laughs> with basically pain and suffering. And so it's almost like bulldozing the resistance, if you will, sometimes it, it's that like, it doesn't matter. Your resistance doesn't matter. <laughs> and here, here we go. We got must move forward. Yeah, that's so true, Christine. Yeah. <laughs> Juanita's face. What's what are you thinking, Juanita? <laughs> I was having like two trains of thought, like, because on one side, I'm like, I'm sure there's a similar thing in Spanish, but I just can't grab it in my brain. But it totally resonates. And like the with that and what you were saying before too, Robert, because like the, even one step, like a step before of the clarity and figuring out like all those pieces and the resistance, I think often the experience of resistance that people can relate to is the like being stuck on, like stuck with the status quo, let's keep things how they are, stuck with the, where this was the plan, we need to keep the plan going. And from that stuckness, there's not as much movement, but if you do that, 
eating bitter thing, then it's like, that was the plan. This is what's now like, let's just do the thing. Like just, I don't like the word hustle, but it's almost that like, let's just hustle into action. And, and, and that's, that's it. That may be my pattern with the inner resistance. I would say I very much was trained and grew up in a way of like eat bitter, meaning you can acknowledge it. And then, but then also on another level, it's kind of to make it kind of, um, um, it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It's a way of pushing through it to kind of not give it so much power. I think it's one way to think of it. But to me, that very much touches on, um, in some ways, I guess in doing this work now, it almost can keep the resistance alive. <laughs> it's always there um, in, in, in trying to bulldoze it. It will always be that thing that I'm resisting in some ways, which is a little heady, I guess, for, for people who haven't looked at it that way. But yeah. The language that comes to my mind when I hear you all talk about eating bitter and uh, resisting, I think for my German clients and the organizations that I work with is um, similar to what Robert said about staying busy or keeping busy um, or being busy, doing something that is in alignment with what we thought earlier. I think the German way of saying it's like something that has to do with gathering information which is either reflecting on former numbers or our budget or looking at the last year and then trying to predict the future. It's something that I heard a lot, especially in the during the global pandemic when there is a huge uncertainty. What, um, what comes to mind is like resi- how resisting might look like for us here in Germany oftentimes in situations like this. It's just trying to gather more information so we can make a better decision and then move forward. So the gathering information, planning, organizing, second guessing um, part, I think is what I would see as resisting in our culture. It's so interesting. I was in a, I was in a conversation where I, I use the word resistance for myself, kind of Robert, how you would. And the person I was speaking with said, oh, we're not allowed to use that word in this conversation. I was like, oh, excuse me. Um, and this person said, in my experience, when people say resistance, they actually mean protection, right? That resistance is in, the, is in a vein of no compassion and no empathy. If you introduce empathy and compassion into a conversation with resistance, it actually is protection. And if it's protection, there's a potentially a key to unlock the kind of routine or repetition or um, stuckness because it's more human as opposed to a, a fight of resistance. What do you think? I was listening to something recently and, you know, it's so funny. It's so many forms of resistance apparently is where I'm coming from, but um, it was about the inner critic, how to silence quote unquote, the inner critic. And it, it reminds me of how you're discussing it to look at the part that's that we keep trying to, kind of make go away or to be dealt with this part that we don't like, the inner critic, to see it as also having a protective factor. It's protecting you from certain things and how do we get it on board with the things that you do want to do that the inner critic is also kind of affecting. And, um, you know, to me, that is so much more aligned with what we might say as being at cause, being in tr- being taking accountability being uh being with your own decisions to actually try to come at it from a place of compassion like you say 
Um, so like uh, I've heard that you know a lot of like how to how to work with your inner critic to try to resist against it, tend to not get rid of it like we think it can. Connected with that and the way that we were, especially you were sharing before, Robert, about just kind of like, I'm going to say like, quote unquote, strategy around resistance of like the leader and hustling to action or with what you were saying, Katarina, like planning and like get all the information. That for me ties so perfectly with it being defensive, where it's like, yes, this, this is how I protect. This is how I make sure that X or blind, like X or Y, <laughs> that I'm defending against this or that I'm keeping I don't know, so like keeping safe to some extent or keeping comf- one of the, any uh, anything that I'm defending for, from. Um, but those strategies, making it stronger or, or keeping it in place, maybe their resistance isn't there anymore because we did get the action done, we did move forward, but the defensiveness of the resistance is actually reinforced because we're like, yes, this planning and data gathering totally work. Yes, this like hustling to action like totally works. So let's keep defending in this way because whatever it is, still protected. Which is, I think, the juice or the cool thing of the work that we do in that is looking at the other way. We're like, if if it isn't that way of addressing, if it isn't like that hustling through it or like I love the word that you've used Robert the like bulldozing of it then like what can we look at that would actually not have it be like perpetrated forever and ever until the end of time and I also think that this is what is introduced the moment that empathy and compassion joins the table or the conversation that you're able to look at the patterns and like almost zoom out and see what's happening because when we're under under pressure or under stress uh, when we're resisting things we usually don't see it in the moment what we're actually doing. <laughs> um, and so what the moment that we introduce empathy and compassion, we're able to look at it and then we're able to see what's next and what we actually want instead um, and what we want to create moving forward. I think that's a great call to action to, to start wrapping up, Katarina, just what you said. So we'll, we'll, we'll take that and we really offer you all that to practice and Anything else that we want to leave the, the people, our audience with in terms of taking this for? Well, I loved the the original podcast, you know, Resist or Live. Um, the last call to action you had was go back to basics. And there was a little bit more after that, actually. But if, I, I remember thinking, like, if I can just try to remember that, like, anytime this starts coming up and it just becomes like an, trying to solve a problem that's just too overwhelming when we get stuck to go back to basics in some way like why did we why did I start this journey whatever it is why did I even set this goal what was my intention to begin with before it started getting complicated and whatnot um so I I love maybe staying with that idea a little bit to when you feel that way it just seems impossible to get over this to go back to go back to the drawing board in some ways see you next week you can follow us on the web at www.christinesaxcoaching.com.